Whether you're taking a rip down the lease road in your jacked-up truck or flying first class to Houston, Texas, it's time to sit back and relax for another exciting episode of Oil & Gas Onshore. This episode is brought to you by Tendeka, a global specialist in advanced completions and production solutions for the oil and gas industry. And now, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your host, Justin Gauthier. Welcome to this week's episode. We're here at the Canon with John Giesbrecht, Regional Account Manager at Carbo. How you doing today, buddy? Fantastic. Nice, nice. It's a little bit drier than the last time we met. Was it two weeks ago when we met for, you know, just for the listeners out there, you know, John and I, you know, we hit each other up. I even forget how exactly we connected with each other, but we're like, oh, you know, if we're from Canada, yeah. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, we're like, well, let's grab lunch. And of course, we were so committed to having lunch with each other. The whole city was underwater and we decided to go for sushi. So, you know, our first meet was, you know, when it was downpouring two weeks ago when the whole city was shut down. But there just happened to be that one sushi place still open and we're hightailing out. My car was in the shop. And so I had this other loaner car and the fact that I actually made it was pretty impressive. And you rolled up in an SUV, so you were good. But yeah, you know, we were pretty committed to each other. So I got, I had to laugh about that. It was just pouring rain and we still managed to meet for lunch and it actually turned out to be pretty good. So anyway, when we were having lunch there, your sister was trying to make it in. Did she ever make it in? No, they shut the whole airport down. They did? Yeah. She ended up having to fly into Austin the next day. Okay. And, uh, so, but she made it to Houston she eventually. Did. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, that's good. Did she have fun here? Oh, it was a blast. Yeah. What'd you guys yeah. do? Did Texas A&M game and oh, went out nice. in Austin for the night and did the whole hill country tour in Houston. And man, it was a blast. I love showing people around Texas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So do you like Texas? So oh, far? It's, it's great. Yeah. It's, it's always a good time. It's warm. The people are friendly. The music's great. And yeah. <laughs> there's, it's just nonstop fun and adventures all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's never a lack of thing to do. So before we get going, I want to mention Perfect Keto. Whether you're on a keto diet or simply just looking for a healthy snack alternative, hit up perfectketo.com. They offer snacks and just a great resource for anything health and nutrition wise. For anyone who's listened for a while, that's kind of a passion of mine. So I always like to feed the audience with some good information. And if you want to support the show, please do me a favor, subscribe and like it, share it and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to. Also, if you have an idea for a show or if you simply just want to reach out and say hi and, you know, kind of BS or grab coffee, I'm always open to that. And I have to give a shout out to her name is Chantel Coley Priest. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. It was a lady on LinkedIn who sent me a message saying, hey, like the podcast. You know, she's also from BC, which we'll get into in a minute. Actually, John is also from BC, Canada. Yeah, she lived on the Sunshine Coast and then Vancouver for five years. And now she's crushing it at Nalco Champion, working up in Fox Creek. So she hit me up and said that it's nice because, you know, driving out, you know, in the middle of nowhere, you're kind of on your own. It's freezing. So to to hear, you know, folks like ourselves that are, you know, from BC or just young guys in the industry doing well, she said she appreciated it and was kind of motivating. So Chantel, I appreciate you reaching out on LinkedIn. That was certainly, it made my day. So hopefully we can return the favor here with a, a bit of entertainment over the next hour or so. But anyway, so let's get going here. John, tell me a little bit about your background, you know, where you're from and what was life like, you know, for young John growing up in BC? Well, I grew up just outside of Vancouver in a place called Langley, British Columbia. And of course, on the West Coast, didn't really know a whole lot about oil and gas growing up. It was it was kind of just some foreign industry out in the distance that I never really heard of. Yeah. And so when it came time to try to figure out what to do, I was getting a little frustrated and 
ended up getting a job on the on the pipeline in northern Alberta, just outside of Fort McMurray. When, when was that though? So like out of high school or what? Uh, that was I graduated high school. When I thought I was going to be an electrical engineer, actually, okay. a little bit. So, so why went, engineering? Let's back up even further. What, what okay. about engineering? Well, my cousin was in in engineering. I thought it was kind of interesting, and I saw that it opened up doors, and and I just wanted to create opportunities. Mm-hmm. So. Somehow I had an interest in electrical engineering at the time and tried that, tried engineering, just wasn't really working out. And where was that? At the University of Fraser Valley in Abbotsford, British Columbia. Okay. And so, yeah, I tried that for almost two years and right out of high school. And then the time came that I I needed to just go work and and figure my life out, make some money. (laughs) Sure. So through word of mouth and some people I worked with at the time, I ended up getting a job on a pipeline just outside of Fort McMurray, Alberta, up mm-hmm. in the Canadian oil sands and flew out there on a dark winter night and yeah. minus 30 blowing snow, got off the plane and it's like, all right, here, here we are. Here we go. <laughs> then I uh, got picked up by a random pipeline form and the next day drove two hours down Highway 63. There's cars in the ditch everywhere and accidents and get to the pipeline and ended up being out that in that atmosphere for about two years and just saw the opportunity in the oil and gas industry there. Yeah, no, that's pretty cool. Actually, it's funny you mentioned kind of you going from BC. And and so like I was born in Calgary, then moved to Vernon, BC. So what, maybe four and a half or so hours from Langley, roughly. Yeah, and yeah, growing up in Lake Country, you know, and all my buddies, you know, and friends, older brothers and stuff like that, you know, really didn't make a move. They stayed around Vernon. And I was kind of like, like, I need to get out of here because like, this is not a conducive environment for like breeding a successful career unless, you know, you go and kind of do the traditional route and, you know, go to school and, you know, maybe become a lawyer or a doctor or you have some sort of like business that you can take over. But the Okanagan Valley really, there's not too much going on. It's a lot of touristy stuff. And, but yeah, I remember, you know, when I was 18, my buddy and I, we ended up hopping in and it was actually my buddy's truck. We ended up heading out to Alberta and did the whole NISCU. We ran around NISCU, handed out resumes and, and a little bit before that we did this little roughneck training course but you know the 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 shock factor of getting into an environment that you're completely unfamiliar with you know you're talking to people who you know you've you've done it for a while so the lingo you know it's like learning a new language but it, it was surreal for me and i can imagine like yourself getting like Growing up and going to high school, you, you got the comfort blanket with parents and, you know, things are just, you know, you go to school, you eat, and, you know, you get good grades and then, you know, but like once you kind of get planted in this environment, it was kind of like, a you know, it's it's almost like a rite of passage. You're like, holy cow, like now, like, like life isn't going to just work for me. Like I have to actually do things to, you know, get the benefits of, of whether it's money or doing things that are going to you know, advance myself. Like I can't just sit around and, and collect money. Like it's like, I got to get out there and work my ass off and, and make something of myself. Yeah. If you want something, you got to make it happen. Yeah. Simple yeah, exactly. So I really appreciate, you know, where you're coming from and, you know, being able to identify with someone growing up in BC, which has no, you know, other than like Northeastern British Columbia has some oil field stuff, but back, you know, around where we're from, it's a lot of it's forestry or at least, you know, Vernon and definitely a lot of forestry stuff going on. So, but that's pretty neat, man. So you did the pipeline stuff and after that, I mean, we actually, the reason I connected with you or maybe vice versa, but I real I, I recognize that you went to SATE, which is Southern Alberta Institute of Technology. So how did you make that transition? Well, that's kind of a, a random story, I guess. 
like I said, I saw the opportunity in oil and gas when I was working in the Canadian oil sands and I started searching online for programs and, and I, I started to realize that if I was going to go back to school, that technology institute was going to be the best option for me. Mm-hmm. So I did some Googling and found this program called Petroleum Engineering Technology, read the descriptions and I was like, man, that seems kind of interesting. I was like, I'll apply. I don't know if I'm going to get in, you know, if I got to upgrade or something, I'll, I'll do that, but at least apply. Yeah. So I applied to Sate and Nate actually. And I ended up getting into SATE and uh, I was like, oh, I guess I'm moving to Calgary. No kidding. You were still living in Langley at the time? Yeah, I was doing rotational work. So I would live out in camp in Fort McMurray and then fly back home on days off. And Yeah. Yeah. For so. those who aren't familiar, because down here, there's they don't have much camp work. So explain what camp is. <laughs> well, up there, it's it's like it's a it's a city almost on the location. So these these Canadian oil sands are these massive operations and it's all in a super remote area. So like the closest major city would be Edmonton, Alberta, which is, I don't know, at least a six or seven hour drive. Mm-hmm. So everybody flies in and typically you're on like a two in one schedule or three weeks on one off or something like that. And you go out there to work and then on your days off, you just go wherever you want. But the camp atmosphere was like, it was massive. Like some of the camps I stayed up had like thousands of people in them yeah and big huge cafeterias and gyms and theater rooms and at one point we had a little band going on in the (laughs) one there and nice it it was like (laughs) it it was it was a blast like I actually really enjoyed it and then you don't have to worry about anything when you're there they take care of all your pretty much all your responsibilities you just go there to work yeah it's kind of like so I worked camp jobs working on drilling rigs and then I also worked offshore here as a mud engineer and it was very similar you know obviously logistically was a little different because you're flying on the water water versus in the middle of the forest but it was kind of the same idea and then once you get on a on an offshore rig you know they do the laundry they cook and so you basically are there to work and sleep and eat and and they kind of take care of the rest so it's, it's similar except for it's on land and, and it's basically just a bunch of trailers like yeah. plumbed together yeah right? just the ones that i was in anyway so, and then that's what mine looked like too just just these massive trailers all put together some of them were real big and then there's some smaller ones where there might be 50 or 100 people and they're kind of just all set up and yeah yeah ready to go wherever they're at some of the most interesting people i've ever met were the cooks in the oh, camp yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's the same thing offshore they are some of the most unique people whether good or bad i'll let whoever out there make their own you know draw their own conclusions but it's just some interesting folks out there oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah so you go to sate and you know you obviously did good and and i'd like for you to tell the story you told me over lunch was you know the kind of you you graduated you're ready to get after it ready to go make money but you were kind of you were on this tipping point like whether i go to school you know or just go work so kind of describe your like how you ended up going to montana tech and what sort of the challenges you faced you know personally trying to figure that out so there's a program like i said at sate called the petroleum engineering technology program that's a two-year diploma and it's it's set up to give you all the technical knowledge and get you out there working and, and be effective in the industry so that was my goal i was like at this point in my life, I've worked. I just want to get out, get this done and get back to work and making money. And then as I was going through that program, I started meeting a lot of really good people, developed a good group of buddies and all of their parents were in the industry. A lot of them had their own companies and they were really, really good influences and, and mentors for me. And and then as we were getting close to graduating, the industry was starting to show signs that it was it was heading towards the downturn. And what year was that? That would have been about 2015. Okay. Yeah. So I started SATE in 2013. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, it was like, well, I, I might be able to get a job out of this and still do okay, but 
if there's a time to go to school, everyone just kept saying, now is the time. Mm -hmm. like, just go do it. And the biggest challenge, I guess, for me to overcome was, is it going to be worth the investment? Because going to Montana Tech, so backing up a little bit, the, the transfer program that they have from state to Montana Tech has been well established for years. And, it, and it's, it's well known in the industry and, and it, it, it's well known to set you up. And anyway, it seemed like a great idea. All the guys were saying, let's go. I had great influencers in my life at the time saying it's going to be worth it. But I was like, I just, this is going to cost a lot of money. Like, is it going to be worth it? Mm -hmm. And finally I convinced myself to, to do it. And we loaded up the truck and drove down to Butte, Montana and, yeah. and the rest was history. But you didn't convince yourself. Like you were, there were, there was some story you told me you were like at like a function. Oh, okay. So we were, yeah. so yeah, it was funny. So we, it was, it was December before we graduated and we, me and a couple of buddies, we all got together for a snowmobile trip out in Golden, British Columbia. And my dad came out and met us there and we drove out and went on this epic snowmobile trip. It's the first time I ever done something like that and just had a blast. And my dad got to know my buddy's dads, like I said, who are in the industry with their own companies and, and, and things like that. And, and uh, they, they had a really good conversation with my dad. And, and over that dinner, we realized that I got to go to Montana Tech. Like, mm -hmm. if I, I don't want any limits on my career and I want to, I want to do everything possible. I got to go and get a degree and, mm -hmm. and, and finish it off and, and stay. And the biggest thing was stay with the group. Like you guys have established such a unique group of guys here that anything you want to accomplish is possible. You got to stick with that group and, and, and do it together. Yeah. And if you don't do it now, you're, you're probably not going to go and do it. So just stay on track. And so it was that trip that influenced me and my dad. And, and he's like, Oh, let's do it. Let's yeah. figure it out. Let's make it possible. And he, and the cool thing about it is he supported you not only, you know, from an emotional standpoint, like, Hey, you got to do this. You got it, son. But also reassured you like, Hey, don't worry about the money like yeah. that. You know, money's replaceable. You got a long career ahead of you. Like we'll worry about that down the road. So, and, and, you know, fortunately from what I understand, Montana tech is not like, you know, you go to Stanford or all these crazy places and you spend $300,000 or however many thousands of dollars it is. Like it's a little bit more cost effective and then you don't have to get into the details, but regardless, it, it was cool that, you know, your old man was just like, look, don't worry about the money as a family or whoever we got this, just go, you know, this is going to, this is going to pay off dividends for you. And, and so just give her. And it was cool to see you do that. And one of the questions I had is, and you, you kind of keep mentioning about like these buddies that you had that, you know, were good influencers whose parents were well-established in the industry going into state and, and kind of, cause you know, myself, I went to state as well. And, and there's a lot of, you know, there's diff, just like anything you do or anything you're a part of, there's different types of people. How did you identify that, you know, or I guess, how did you make these strategic relationships with people who you thought were going to help you out and, and kind of carry you along? Cause they always, people always say you're the average of the five people you hang around the most. So did you kind of intuitively know that these were folks you should kind of hang around or what? No, I mean, I, I moved to Calgary. I didn't know anyone showed up at the SATE program and orientation day, still didn't know anybody and started meeting people and kind of just happened naturally. Like it was, I don't know the exact timeline, but within, it felt like a couple of weeks, our, our group started coming together and it was just, we're all like-minded people started talking my my the first guy I met he was the first guy that showed up to class standing there ready to go all eager and and, and ready to get started and, and I was early to class too and we started talking and hit it off right away and then 
and then next thing you know, the next guy we meet and we start chatting and then we, we were hanging out and, and then uh, another guy, we were in the, in the hallway looking out at the fresh snow on the mountains there the one day and <laughs> yeah. talking about skiing and next thing you know, we're out going skiing and backcountry stuff. And it was all just, we realized we all enjoyed doing the same things and country music, going out to ranchmen's on the weekends and getting into that and having fun and stuff. And it just kind of naturally developed. And then, I don't know, it just happened. Yeah. Like, next thing you know, we're, we're all hanging out. And, and, and the other part of it too at SATE is you go through the program with your group. So there's, yeah. there's like, I think it's about 30 or so people in that section and we were group A. Yeah. So, you know, you're hanging out with the same people every single day and it's just naturally like, well, who do you associate well with in class? And then next thing you know, you're working together on projects, assignments and, mm -hmm. and all that. And then you just develop your relationships that way. And then it turns into, I mean, lifelong friendships come out of it. So it's, yeah. it's a, it's a amazing atmosphere to get started in your education. Absolutely. No, I can identify with you. I had a buddy, it was part of my group. His name was Chad Hayden or his name is Chad Hayden and his, his uncle, Ken Zinger, who's the COO of CES uh, Energy Solutions, or well now CES Technology Corporation. But yeah, it was through the relationship I had with him. When I got out of state, it was 2009. Things were pretty shitty out there in the Canadian oil field. And I ended up, you know, I had a... I was trying to get a job lined up and I did my project with Taka North. They're a company up there and it was a completions project. And I was hoping, you know, I could get on with them and, you know, but they were like laying people off and it just wasn't the right time for me to get on with them. So I ended up delivering furniture for like three months, you know, and here I was like, I was roughnecking, making $75,000 a year, which is good when you're 18, 19 years old. And then, you know, I give that up to go to SAIT and then I come out moving furniture. I was like, holy <laughs> smokes, I was like, this was a terrible idea. Yeah. But no then kidding. one day he calls me up and, you know, I consider him one of my, you know, better friends nowadays. And he's like, man, you got your resume ready? He's like, CES is hiring. We're taking over the mud industry. And, you know, my uncle wants to visit with you. And Tom Simons, who's the CEO, and he's like, yeah, they want to kind of meet you. You're a rig hand. You got this and that. And so long story short, yeah, it was through making a, a good relationship with a guy I went to school with that ultimately helped me get my foot in the door. And I had to do the rest. I mean, he just made the introduction, but without sort of his he could have recommended anybody, but he just, I guess, saw, you know, potential in, in me and, and maybe I kind of fit the mold of what they were looking for. So, yeah, that's one thing that I encourage all the young listeners out there is is, is make relationships, network. And and if you if you kind of can identify people that are like minded, who are, you know, potentially going somewhere or who just have a good influence or well connected in the industry, you know, build a relationship with those people because you never know sort of what could come around the corner if something comes up and they think of you. It's kind of how it works. So anyway, you ended up going to school to Montana Tech. Describe your experience there and, and then, uh, <laughs> you know, all the good, the bad and the ugly, if you will. But how was Montana Tech? I know a lot of folks that graduated from there and, and they're all just super great people. It's an absolute blast to go there, to, <laughs> to go to school there. So, I mean, again, it was a place I never heard about, Butte, Montana. Yeah. And we, like I said, we graduated, loaded up the truck and drove down there to find a place to live. And you roll into town and it's like, geez, like, where am I? I've never seen anything like this before. It's <laughs> yeah. this old historic mining town up on the hill and and surrounded by mountains. And right away, I was like, oh, this is right up my alley. Like, I'm going to have I'm going to have fun here. Yeah. Starting to think about what mountain I can climb next and where we can ski and bike and everything. So we're just getting excited and we find this this place to live. And so there's six of us that went down and 
at first we were like, okay, we, we can't all live in the same house. Like, there's just no way that's going to be too much. Let's get two separate places. So we went in, three guys and three guys went out on a, an apartment search and we ended up finding what the best scenario was, was these two, was, was this big house with three guys on the bottom left, three guys on the bottom right. And then there was another six people above us, but we all lived in the same house. Holy so smokes. we ended up, <laughs> there was, there was a doors and walls that separated it, but it was basically like living in one house together. Yeah. So exactly what we talked about not doing is what <laughs> ended up happening. And it was right on Granite street there, right close to the campus. And walking distance to all your buddies and and the, and the bars and the, and the campus and everything yeah and right away we knew it was going to be a good time so then at, after that everyone went to work for the summer and then we regrouped there in august when school started and it was just non-stop fun and adventure the entire time i still can't believe i had to i got to go to school in a place like that and have that kind of an experience very like cool I got an unreal education out of, from it met the best friends of my life we had we had more fun than you could possibly imagine. Like going to school in Montana, you got to do all these adventures. And of course, we were all mountain guys and mm -hmm. like getting out and doing that kind of stuff. So we're always going all over the place, doing adventures and exploring. And I'm into photography, so I was always documenting it well. And very cool. And, and, and getting to look back on it. And, and still to this day, like I consistently look through all those photos and just I'm just blown away of what we actually got to do while we were going to school like it yeah. was it was such a unique experience the small the school is not that big it's uh, i don't know the exact population but it's 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 a very friendly small environment and you get to you, you get a great relationship with your department your your all your your the whole faculty i mean it, it's just a very fun positive place to go to school and you don't feel like you're just part of a big group or anything like it's it's you're not just a number it's, it's a community a it's a essentially community. yeah, yeah. It, it, i couldn't believe the support that we had from there so it was i mean i couldn't have asked for a better experience it cool was, it was absolute blast right on well big shout out to montana tech and all the montana tech listeners out there you need to connect with john here he's a great dude obviously you can tell and you know we've got the big montana tech golf tournament coming up so yeah. i don't when this airs i think I don't know when this airs because I've got a bunch of episodes in the bank right now, but either way, I'm looking forward to it. And it's the first year this year and it's already blowing up. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, there's there's over 100 people registered right now and we're, we're going to make it an annual thing. So oh, yeah. if you can't make it this year, look out for it next October. It's Montana Tech alumni and friends. So cool. it's, a, it's, a big, it's a big thing. It's going to be a blast. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to that. So let's fast forward a little bit now. You go to school, you crush it there. You're looking to get a job. I mean, and, and here you are only a couple years or yeah, I don't know how many years later, which is not that many, but you're here in Houston. So describe, you know, how you ended up graduating and then getting to Houston. Well, as a Canadian, it was, it was a little tough to try and find a job in the U S but I was determined to make it happen. And, and part of the reason, like I, you know, going to school in, in the U S I was like, if I'm going to make the investment to do this, I want to, I want to make sure I'm making the most of this opportunity. So Right away when I was going to school, I'd always been involved in, in student clubs and whatnot. And there's the Montana Tech SPE student chapter. That's the Society of Petroleum Engineers. They have a student chapter at the school. So right away, I went and met the, the people that run that club and got involved with them. And, and within probably like a week or two into school, I heard that they were all going down to this conference called ATCE which is the annual technical conference and exhibition for the Society of Petroleum Engineers. They do it every year in a different city. And it just happened to be in Houston that year. It was coming up in a couple of weeks. And 
right away I was interested and you know, I was like, oh, Houston, that sounds cool. Like, I, I want to try and figure out a way to go on this trip. Mm-hmm. So ended up getting to go on this trip and, and, and go with the club to attend the conference and, and be a student there. And then right before we, we got there, they sent out this email, like, respond to this alumni event at the conference. I didn't even know they were having it. So I was like, oh, alumni event, that seems cool. Like, let's, let's go check that out. I'm sure I'll meet some, meet some people there. And, yeah. and that was pretty much how the rest kept going. Like, I met, met some really great people there that shaped my career. And, again, it was all about building a network. Like, you got to use school to your advantage to be in that atmosphere to meet meet people and build the foundation while you're going to school. So like I had to miss a couple of days of school to go down to there to Houston for this conference. But if I wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't have met the people that are, are I mean, now my bosses. Yeah, no <laughs> so, kidding. You know, it, it was the, that was all part of the journey. And I was also very determined to get a job in the U.S. as a Canadian. Everyone kept saying, oh, they're not hiring Canadians. No one wants to sponsor a visa, blah, blah, blah. And mm-hmm. I was like, all right, well, whatever. Somebody's going to be doing it. So yeah. I'll just figure out a way to make it happen then. Nice. And I mean, it took a long time for everything to come together, but one thing led to the next and the next and the next. And then when I graduated, I had an opportunity for me in, in South Texas. And here yeah, I am. yeah, no yeah. kidding. So you went to South Texas with the current company you're with, Carbo? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But then you, so you went from Montana did you go back to Calgary did you go right from Montana to was it San Antonio at first or San Austin? Antonio at first but yeah no I I graduated and and drove home for Christmas and then I loaded up a Penske moving truck and <laughs> just picked up everything I had I had to make another stop in Butte Montana back on the way down and yeah picked the rest of it up got out of the snowstorm and <laughs> as soon as I made it to Utah it was smooth sailing the rest of the way no kidding and I just drove down here and didn't know anyone, didn't know what I was really, I had an idea of what I was getting into, but I didn't really, I was like, I got an opportunity. I'm saying, yes, I'm going for it. And <laughs> yeah. I, I'll just show up and figure it out. So didn't, so you got to San Antonio right? yeah. and with your Penske moving truck. And then didn't you like pull up to the bar and then have like a, the night of your life? <laughs> well, yeah. So I, I got to San Antonio <laughs> at noon. It was noon on a, whatever day it was, December 31st, 2017. So New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve. And I found an apartment, looked at a few apartments real quick, found the one I wanted. And they're like, well, if we can get you approved today, we can give you the keys tonight. So by 5 p.m. that day, I'm moving into this apartment and it's New Year's Eve. So I was like, well, I guess I got to figure something out to do here. I'm not just going to sit at home here by myself. Yeah. So I I didn't have a vehicle yet. (laughs) So... uh, (laughs) So I was like, well, I guess I'm just didn't take the Penske truck because <laughs> I, I didn't plan on having too, too much of a night. So I was like, oh, I'll just drive, drive around, check it out. So I drove this Penske moving truck to the bar in this Texas country place just outside of San Antonio and go to this concert. <laughs> That's and great, like, man. This is a blast. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so you pull up. They probably thought you had equipment for the band, and here you are, just pull out this young <laughs> yeah. kid. He's like, no, I just came in from Canada to hang <laughs> yeah. out at the Texas Country Bar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a whole new world. Yeah. yeah, dude, no kidding. Well, so now you're working for Carbo, and and you know we're obviously pulling up on a half an hour here, so I want to get talking about Carbo and your experience, what you're doing there. So, kind of interestingly enough, I was with one of my clients the other day, and you know he's from, also from Canada, actually he's from Edmonton, and you know we got talking this, and I was like, yeah, I'm meeting a bunch of great guys guys and from Canada, you know, funny enough. And I mentioned your name and mentioned that you work for Carbo. And 
you know, kind of describing, you know, who you guys were. And he's like, oh, yeah, I know Carbo. He's like, I didn't realize, you know, kind of the unique stuff that you guys are doing outside of traditionally what Carbo is sort of known for. But it sounds like you guys are really diversifying yourselves in a really unique way. So tell us a little bit about Carbo and kind of the things you guys are doing over there that's, you know, different than what tradition, like people are used to you guys doing. Yeah. So a lot of people might just think of Carbo as a, as a prop and ceramic prop and supplier, but Carbo is now a, it's, it's a technology solutions company for the oil and gas industry, for the industrial world. We've got environmental stuff. We've got a lot of software and it's, it's really turning into a completely new company in a different direction than it has historically been going. And we have a huge variety of different technologies and solutions that we provide to the oil and gas industry. And that's what I'm specifically involved in. And, and the goal is to essentially provide a better well and, and figure out a way to make the most out of your investment. So we've mm-hmm. got all these, so we use our base ceramic material and we apply to all the different technologies to them and we can pump it for various applications. And now we're doing a lot with data. I mean, that's always a big buzzword nowadays, data and technology and AI and all this stuff. So, yeah. so Carbo is, has Frac Pro as well. So we, we have all this Frac data, we're doing a lot of cool stuff with that. We actually just recently partnered with a company called Frac Geo to essentially expand the capabilities of Frac Pro by using the data, the, the drilling data specifically, and a lot of other things that already exist. And by using that data before we do the frac, we, we can provide a, a more realistic and, and an optimized model of, of what the completion should look like. Mm-hmm. And we can provide a better recommendation of how to maximize your, your investment. And then we can model it and, and, and do a lot of cool things with that. We also we have these real-time dashboards that we can do now too, where we'll take the data from the data van that's coming in as we're doing the frack and we can have like, you can have it displayed in the office on, oh, wow. through the cloud and you can see real time of how your frack is going and, and, and what we can do to make it better. So there's overall, we're trying to just provide solutions and, and new technologies to, to optimize the oil and gas industry. And mm-hmm. we've applied that same technology to the industrial world, wow. even the agricultural world. We've got an entire environmental protection line and there's continually doing a lot of new things. So it's a Carbo is, is, is a technology company focused on providing solutions and, and, and optimizing every part of the industry. Wow. So it, it's a lot of, a lot of cool things we got. We, we just were at ATCE in Calgary showcasing some new products. And I, and I was actually just out on a job in, in Pennsylvania. We were pumping a, a new product out there and it's gaining a lot of interest and people are excited about it. So we're wow. we're doing a lot of cool new things domestically, international. We've got a global footprint and it's a fun, dynamic company to be a part of. And, and they're they're heading in a, in a new direction that I'm excited to be a part of. No kidding. And well, it sounds kind of like you're, you know, somewhat heading up a team. I know you're talking about you guys are building your team and looking for young, motivated individuals who may not have, you know, the 20 or 30 years experience. But, but having someone come in who's passionate, eager to please, and kind of can see things through a little bit of a different lens, being that the oil and gas industry now is so heavily focused on digitalization and, you know, all the buzzwords that we keep hearing. Yeah. Uh, so I guess, and good for Carbo to realize that and then sort of shift directions. But was that something that did the market force them to do that? Do you know, or was it like, was it basically a culture thing? It's like, Hey, you, we realize the the value that it brings to do some different things. And I mean, is it, do you know where the push is coming from? Do you know? Or? Yeah. Well, well, I mean, for people that don't know in the oil and gas industry, like at, at one point, ceramic propent was was kind of the main driver and it was it was everyone was pumping ceramic propent it's more expensive 
and as the industry's changed and shifted over the years, the, there's there's been less demand for that. So we've adapted to grow and overcome and and, and provide new technologies and solutions, like I'd mentioned. And we we, yeah. we need to build a, a dynamic team that is focused on 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 new ideas and new opportunities and positive energy and and creating that environment where we can we can just find I don't know new ways of doing things like just yeah. We need fresh minds to think and see things in a different perspective, and and that, I mean, you know, that that's going on in, in a lot of parts of the industry. It, it's it's the younger generation that's coming in and 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 taking what we've done historically and and running with it to to find new opportunities. So it's yeah, yeah it's exciting it's, that's stuff that's going cool. on. Yeah. yeah, and it's neat to see. I mean, and and for all the young listeners out there, I mean, John is a great example for someone like. You know, if you're considering getting into the oil field or you're going, you know, doing chemical or mechanical and and you don't want anything to do with the oil field because the media and everyone else out there thinks that, you know, the oil field is slowly dying out and that solar energy is going to take over the world. You know, from from your perspective as a young engineer who's now in sales, which is an interesting, you know, combination because you kind of have the, you know, the, the dual discipline now. What would you tell the young listeners that are apprehensive about the oil field and kind of, you know, some opportunities that you see and kind of maybe the future of how our industry is going? Well, to any people that are currently in petroleum engineering or thinking about getting into petroleum engineering, don't get scared away from it. Like, don't think that there's going to be no opportunities for you and you're going into a dying industry because you're, you're definitely not. It's turning into a very exciting, f- new, fun place to work. It, it, we're, we're, we're completely changing the way the industry operates, and, and it's, it's becoming an exciting world of new technologies and new opportunities. And, and, and you don't just have to take the traditional path to go work for a service company or, a, or an operator as a drilling engineer, completion engineer, whatever, whatever path you, you go down. There's so many different possibilities you can do as a petroleum engineer. And if you get into the oil and gas industry with an open mind and you have a positive attitude and you're, you're, you're seeking to make the most of, of the opportunity, anything is possible. You, you can be involved in any aspect of the industry that a lot of it you probably don't even know exists. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's what excites me so much about it. I see so many different opportunities and I don't know, have no idea where it's going or, and, and what we're going to be dealing with in the future, but I know it's going to be fun and, mm-hmm. and there's the demand for, for oil and gas is not going anywhere. So right. we just got to keep figuring out ways to do what we do and do it better. And we need fresh young minds to, to be a part of that, that transformation. So don't get scared away. And, and as, as a petroleum engineer, if you're trying to apply for jobs and or going to career fair and you, you know, you can't get a job because maybe this company's not hiring or that company's not hiring. Well, just try, try and take a different approach. Like I always say, like if everyone's going in that direction, just go a little bit off in the other direction and find your own path. Like right. don't, don't have to do what everybody else is doing. For there's, sure. There's unlimited opportunities out there and there's only going to be more and more because, you know, people are not really getting into it as much as they, as they had like petroleum engineering specifically, it seems to follow the trend of the industry. Like when, when it's up, everyone wants to do it. When it's down, no one wants to go in petroleum. And, and I mean, I think when it's down, that's probably the best opportunity, like mm-hmm. get in there and, and find your place and, Build that network. Yeah. Build a network. Meet people all over the country, all over the world, and different industries and, and different technology pathways and, and whatever it happens to be, just get plugged in as much as possible and there right. will be a world of opportunity there for you. That's right. So did you ever picture yourself working in sales as a petroleum engineer? Not really, but I kinda always thought 
somehow I'd end up in this in this world. It was funny because I always, for some reason, I had it in my head that I just wanted to go work for an operator. Yeah, I don't know why. I just that seemed to be like the petroleum engineering mind. It's like, oh, I'm gonna go work for a major operator, and yeah, and just that's what I'm gonna do and follow the path and whatever. And all my opportunities just kept coming up in the service industry, service and technology industry, and you know, you just roll with the opportunities and 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 if you when you find the right people to mentor you and, and surround yourself when you, I've always said when you surround yourself with the right people you'll just go places and do things you really never thought were possible and 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 when you're in that environment those people they see what your potential is mm-hmm. and they see where you're going to be most effective so those people in my life have been kind of guiding me into the direction into this direction for a long time and I just didn't really realize it at the time yeah but it, it, it's been leading to this direction for a long time and, and I'm pretty excited and passionate about seeing where the future lies and just continuing to follow what what feels natural and where, where you feel like you're going to succeed yeah you, you know you got to kind of if you feel momentum going in that direction even if you didn't think you were going to be in that world you go with it and if you're excited about it you'll, uh, you'll succeed. Right. Yeah. No, I, I love that answer. So what, I mean, what do you like most about your job? Like day to day, like what's, <laughs> what's the most entertaining part? What do you, where do you find the most you know gratification from? Uh, it's, it's nonstop energy. Like there's, there's always something I can be doing. There's always a new opportunity I can be finding. There's always a new avenue I can be going down and there's, there's, I'm never bored. Mm. Like, the biggest thing I'm trying to learn right now is how to slow down a little bit and kind of just catch my breath because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm so excited about everything that I'm doing. And I, and I just like, I get up and fired up for the day, fired up for the week. And, you know, I just don't feel like, I, I feel like there's no restrictions on what I can, what I can do and what I can accomplish. And I'm in that environment now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it's just, I, I'm just extremely driven to, to make the most of my opportunities that I've, that I've worked so hard to, to get to in my life. Yeah. So do you have any like habits or routines or, or where does that drive come from? Cause some people, it's something that's acquired. Sometimes it's something that happened to them as a young child or they grew up in an environment that they were like, I don't want this to be my life. And so like, where does that drive come from? Well, I think it started at a young age. I mean, I grew up in a, in a, in a very good family atmosphere, positive, very positive energy around all the time. We grew up, my dad's an airline pilot, so we grew up traveling the world and mm-hmm. that instilled a sense of adventure. And I saw things from a young age, from a different perspective. And and then I've always been a very positive person and, and, and I've been huge into outdoor activities and adventures and, 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 and just doing cool things that just are positive environments. And I mm-hmm. think that that really like, creates the the drive in me to to want to have that and on a day-to-day basis yeah but it's just everything i think everything you do in your life plays a big role in that like you you just have to i mean ultimately it's if you can be positive and, cool. and, and that that's the biggest thing you mm-hmm. just be positive be spontaneous yeah and, and go with the flow and don't 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 think you can't do something right like just just have the have a good attitude and and be around good people and you'll, you'll, you'll succeed. Yeah, no, that's uh, I mean, it's, it's, it sounds easy and it's basic, but it's crazy how a lot of people struggle with that. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And so, but you know, obviously for yourself, that's worked for you. Everyone sort of, you know, built a little different, but I think fundamentally, if you can have a good attitude, you're positive and 
you know, you, your happiness and success is not predicated on what other people, you know, opinions are and what their judgments are, certainly give you that recipe for success. So that's a heck of an answer. One more question I had here is more on a personal level. Is there anything out there that people don't know about, whether any good hidden secrets or any unique hobbies that you have that, that you do when you finally can unplug from the day-to-day <laughs> grind? Most people that know me well probably know, but I, I'm big into music and photography and I mm-hmm. uh, love singing and playing guitar and piano. And Oh, you can uh, sing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Let yeah. us let us hear something. <laughs> you you I, just teed it up for I, me. I, I need a, I need a guitar to, to do that. I should have brought... <laughs> I, I'm not really good at singing a cappella. Actually, I used to sing the Canadian anthem at the hockey games when we were going to school in Montana Tech. No way. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so that was, a, that was a blast. Give me an O Canada. <laughs> Come on. O Canada, our home and native land. Yeah, <laughs> dude, that was great. Oh, yeah. That brings back memories, yeah, buddy. It was, Holy it's the best is when you're singing it in the <laughs> rink, and then you got that, like, echo and the red, and it, like, it, the reverb going on, and, and it's just like... Oh, buddy, it gives me on. goosebumps that's, thinking about that it. That is unreal. I, it yeah. was, you know, it was, it was a real <laughs> cool thing. But, yeah, and then, you know, photography i i'm always if i even if i'm on a business trip or something i've always got my camera with me and i'll i'll get out and take photos of a skyline or something like that and that's kind of yeah one of my one of, it's always been a big hobby for me it, it drives me to kind of get out and see things but yeah photography and music maybe not you know people that meet me right off right off the bat may not think that but that's kind of two of my favorite things to do so. very cool yeah. well, maybe we can snap a selfie or do a couple pictures we can throw on linkedin <laughs> here afterwards so yeah why not yeah for sure good deal well man i appreciate it. i want to take a few moments here to tell everyone about some upcoming events hey everyone alex here with the events on deck for november first of all we had our best turnout ever for our latest happy hour in houston with our panel discussion so thanks to everyone who attended and we hope to keep offering you guys value in the future Be sure to listen here for any future happy hours. The events on deck for November include OGGN's second Denver happy hour on November 6th from 4 to 6 p.m. The cost of attendance is $20, a portion of which goes to local charities Safe House Denver and Oilfield Helping Hands. On November 12th at Minute Maid Stadium, IBM's Oilfield of Dreams, Data, Digitization, and Disruption. This event is free for all OGGN subscribers. OGGN's Mark LaCour will be doing a live podcast with ExxonMobil and his 2020 oil and gas predictions. On November 12th through 14th is Procurement Week in Sydney, Australia. Our travel partner, BCD Travel, will be sponsoring Day 2 of Procurement Week in Sydney. Day 2 has content focused on the construction, mining, and energy sectors as well as an indirect procurement leaders forum, which encompasses travel. Industry leaders will be discussing value-driven procurement approaches, evolving technologies, and the changing landscape. And drinks are on BCD at the end of the day. The Houston chapter API Energy Petroleum Club will be meeting on November 12th in Houston. Speaker Shane McElroy will be talking about the sustainability of electric fracturing. We have another free event on deck this month for our subscribers. The Top Coder Innovation Summit will be taking place on November 14th in Houston, Texas. This event is the premier innovation event for industry leaders. You'll have the opportunity to attend panels on innovation and emerging technologies and meet with the YPRO and Top Coder executive teams. Lastly, the Algeria Oil and Gas Summit is happening on November 19th through 21st this year. Alnaft will be sharing onshore and offshore updates for Africa's leading gas producer and opportunities for independent oil and gas companies. 
And don't forget, if you guys would like to receive these events each month via email, click Get Mark's Monthly Events email link in the show notes of any OGGN podcast. Hope you guys have a great month. Awesome. Thank you. And anyone out there in the Houston area interested in playing oil field hockey, come join the Hack and Whack crew for some old timer hockey. We do it every two weeks at Memorial City Mall Ice Rink. Hit me up on LinkedIn for more details. Also, if you're looking to get in shape for the winter, visit KTX Fit in Katy, Texas and get a free trial by telling one of the coaches that I sent you. Thank you so much for listening to Oil and Gas Onshore. If you're looking for more info, hit up oilandgasonshore.com. And John, thanks again for joining me today. What's the best way for people to reach out to the to you to get know to, to get to know more about your company? Or if you have any young listeners that really just would appreciate your mentorship or just simply have questions for you, what's the best way to reach out? Yeah, hit me up on LinkedIn, John cool. Giesbrecht. We'll put the link in the yeah, show notes. We'll so put the link LinkedIn. In the show notes. Yeah. yeah, LinkedIn and and I also have an Instagram that I'm active with as well. So cool. That, uh, we'll are, put the link in there. Yeah. And then do, do you with your photography, is that something that you have online if people are interested in that type of stuff too? Or yeah, honestly, I just advertise really through through uh, Instagram. Perfect. Yeah. We'll put the link in the show notes. We'll put Carbo's website in the show notes. And if there's anything else, you can let me know down the road. But that seems pretty good for now. So again, appreciate it. Keep grinding. You got the world by the tail, buddy. So I'm pretty excited to see where your career goes. And hopefully we continue to stay in touch. And everyone out there, always remember when the density's up and the gas is down, open the choke. Let's go to town. Thanks, buddy. Tune in next week for another captivating episode of Tendeka's Oil and Gas Onshore Podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasglobalnetwork.com.